Hello, everyone. Hope you are doing well. Hope you're having a nice day. Hope you're, you're looking after yourselves. Uh, yeah, at this moment in time, it's our, our third our third season, our first episode. Um, yeah, it's great to great to be giving you guys another season. To we've been, like I said, bringing in new new guest speakers as well as uh, newly added segments that you'll you'll experience later on today. Uh, but first off, as always, you know we like to give our guest speakers the opportunity to introduce themselves and I'd uh, like to hand over to Jess uh, who's just going to tell us a bit more about herself so Jess if you could just let us all, our audience know a bit more about you. Sure um, thank you for having me so much um, I'm Jess I am a medical student and I've just completed about half of medical school so far and I'm currently um, interclating which is when you have the option to do another degree about med school and I'm at the University of Cambridge doing a research master's and my research is looking at the effects of COVID-19 on child and adolescent mental health and their parents as well so kind of seeing how family dynamics changed over one of the most like craziest periods of our life basically um I I have interest in quite a few things like um, I encourage uh, current and aspiring medical students to kind of be the best version of themselves. So I run a platform called Progress with Jess. Um, So I do mentoring, personal statement reviews, interview practice, that kind of thing. But I think more of my focus is shifting towards current medical students um, and just ensuring that they are kind of dipping their toes in everything that they can dip them in whilst at medical school. So I wrote a book on how to relocate abroad to 12 different countries around the world. Um, and I share a lot on my blog about some of the experiences that I've had at medical school, for example, going to Cambridge or publishing a paper um, and getting experience abroad and things like that. So that's kind of me <laughs> in, a, in a short nutshell. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, thank you. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, our listeners will definitely know from that uh, wonderful introduction that you, you're you multi-talented. Uh, you know, you've written your own book, you've got a blog, you're helping people with their personal statements. So yeah, I, I think our our listeners are are in for a treat for today. Uh, so yeah, we after that wonderful introduction, uh, we'll, we'll now get into it. So yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for that wonderful introduction, Jess. And uh, I'm sure our listeners are glad to to know you know a bit more about you uh but we're going to go into i guess a bit more about your your personal journey with medicine uh and i guess our first official question to you is what inspired you to to get into medicine okay so i think every medic um is good at science that's when they're like i think when i was at school science the sciences chemistry biology physics were the lessons where i had the most questions i was the most focused um i I was an all-rounder as many medics are as well. Like I liked a lot of things. I did well in a lot of things in my GCSEs, but when it came to narrowing down what would actually make me a little bit excited to go into school, go into lessons, it was the sciences in particular. And also I felt like, yeah, I always had more questions. And the thing is with medicine, there are answers, but they never answer everything. There's always um, an outlier or, um, the rule doesn't fit for one person. Um, and another, and a personal reason as well is that my mum was unable to have children. So she had us all through IVF. So I remember learning about that in biology and thinking, oh my gosh, like if it wasn't for medicine and science and the technology that goes into all of that from research to implementation, my parents wouldn't have this great quality of life that they now do have. I 
do mine myself um, by having the four children that they didn't think they could have. Um, and it's a different way of improving quality of life. And that's another reason why I love medicine as well. It's not just disease cure. It's sometimes giving people a gift that they couldn't otherwise have without technology or research. Um, and I think what really cemented my decision to go for the course was my gap year. So during my gap year, I so I didn't get into medicine the first time round. I, I lacked knowledge um, and guidance about the application process. I really struggled with all the hurdles you have to jump through from admissions tests to interviews. I just didn't have enough practice. I didn't know any alumni. It was really difficult because um, I come from a state school from GCSE to A-level. Um, so when I took my gap year, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try again, but I need to know for sure medicines for me. And one of the things I didn't do enough was get work experience. And I think I, when I applied for jobs, I got a job as a healthcare assistant at a hospital and you are one of the staff. You're not, you're not a work experience student on the outside looking in. You're actually on the night shifts, seeing the deaths, seeing the good times. Like it, it was hard, but I actually enjoyed it so much. Like it, it matured me in a way that I didn't expect. I made a lot of friends, um, nurses, doctors, other healthcare assistants, and I learned a lot about the system that I was going to be working in, the good and the bad. And then obviously when I got to the interview, I had a lot more to say. I also did um, work experience abroad in the Dominican Republic. So I spent three weeks in a public, private and community setting. Um, and that was amazing. I realised there were a lot of similarities, but also differences between the healthcare systems. And that, again, we're in a very privileged position to have a lot of things for free. Whereas um, in that country, there was a huge gap between the private and public healthcare um, provision. And I just thought, you know, I've been to two different countries far away from each other. I still love medicine. I still love healthcare. This has got to be for me. I applied again, um, a lot more, you know, focused on what I wanted. Um, a lot more I've done, I did my wider reading. I understood what it took to be a doctor and yeah, I interview, obviously I had loads to say, could go on for ages, but I got offers in the end and I ended up at King's College London. Uh, that that is perfect, uh, and it's it's great to see. I guess how, uh, like, first off, you're seeing with like all the advancements in uh, medicine. Yeah, definitely. Even I guess, like you said, over the last year, we've seen how you know the the bringing in of the vaccines has helped. You know, to 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 help curb the pandemic. And yeah, it's great to to see. Um, you know, you talking about your more your more personal journey of how you know you didn't necessarily get into medicine straight away, but you took on like a lot of work experience and you, you know, built up on all the experience that you had and you came back again and you, and you, you know, did a really good job and it's great to see that you're, you're doing medicine now and you're enjoying it. Um, and that, I guess, nicely leads on to the next question I was about to ask you, which was literally about, I guess, how can failure be a blessing in disguise? So I know briefly we touched upon it, uh, like with what we just said, but how could, I guess, for, for, I know for a lot of people that failure, even for myself, I know sometimes when I when something doesn't work my way, I get really upset. But how can we see it as like a blessing in disguise? Yeah, I think this is a great question because one thing about failure is it forces you to change. Um, however subtle that change may be, I the way I deal with failure is most of the time it's not personal. It just means that at that time, people were better than you. Um it just meant at that time you weren't the person they were looking for. And that's okay. That's going to happen in life. And I think failure is always a blessing in disguise for me because it forces you to change or do something different next time. And you're only increasing your chances of success for the next time round. So I know for me, I always get asked, Alina, how do you overcome failure and, and, and get over it? And when I was 
17 getting rejected from med school and all my teachers had bigged me up so much you know you've got the grades you're gonna be fine it's not just getting the grades there were other hurdles to jump through and I I sat back and I reflected I said number one is medicine really what I want to do um number two what can I learn from this? Like, where do I think I went wrong? Ask for feedback after interviews, ask other people how they got into medicine and and what they think could have been better in your application and how, and what are you going to do next? And I think, um, all of those things make it a blessing in disguise because you end up, that rejection ends up being a redirection. And that was like the quote I lived by during my gap year. Like if, you haven't got what you wanted the first time round. You have an option to try again. We have an option to take a different route to get there. Um, and for me, it was try again. And I genuinely believe if I got rejected again, I would probably try again or do another degree and hope to go to medicine after. So I think I learned what being resilient truly felt like. Um, and I think there's this, there's this mindset called the growth mindset where you just want to be better. You don't let yourself kind of think, oh, you know, I have to be hundred percent right and perfect in order to get this thing. I mean, no medic is perfect. No person who gets the job than you, they're not better than you or more perfect than you. They were just better at the time. So yeah, having that growth mindset and thinking, oh, that's been a setback, but now I'm even more hungry to do better, to do different, to do more. And I think that's why it's a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Uh, that's so true. And I know even uh, like you were saying j- just at the end there, uh, I know one of my dad's uh, fam- fam- famous dad quotes, which I occasionally put on the podcast. Uh, he loves to say that, uh, you know, you, you've had a setback, but it's for a comeback. Uh, yeah. And I think that's so true with your story and, and, and in general. And I know uh, for our question segment, uh, you've prepared a question about the podcast, but literally um, that's the same thing with the podcast. Now I'll I'll save that answer for the end, but even um, with my placement year that I did with university, I I previously applied to be uh, one of the vice presidents for our colleges uh, and Mm. I didn't get it. And you know, at the time I was thinking, oh gosh, you know, like I don't know what I'm going to do afterwards. I wanted to do a year of like work to just get used to the working world, you know, just do, do have an experience that I could say afterwards, you know what, I've actually, you know, done a, done like proper work I've also done my academics so I can can go out and show the world that I've done this Uh, and I know afterwards I was just like oh gosh like what am I going to do like I didn't get it sucks Um, and then yeah it was literally just a a couple of uh, like months later I saw that there was a year-long placement uh, at my university I applied I got the job uh, literally on the day like I was so surprised because yeah I was literally on the day uh, my my manager uh, called me and she was just like hi um, you know I know this is like very quick and you know you, you didn't probably weren't expecting this but we want to say like congratulations we, like if you want the job it's yours um and it was it was super supportive i even even when like i uh had a summer placement at the same time so i, I did a summer placement and then a year one um they said you know we're fine to move the year one start to later because we really want to have you on the team and yeah it was an amazing experience i, I loved all the work that we were doing and i think like you said there that it's just so important to to be okay with you know letting things happen and just being like, you know what, it didn't work out, but what can I learn from this? What can I, you know, move on from this experience? What can I take that was good? What can I take that was even bad? And just move on and be like, these are the lessons that I've learned and this is what I'm going to apply. And I think, like you said, that growth mindset is so, so key. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you cast your net wide and you keep trying and you keep taking a stab at things, you're only going to increase your chances of, of, you know, catching a fish, hitting, hitting a bullseye. So I just think, 
yeah, it, that's definitely been my method so far. And I've picked up lots of crazy things along the way. Like my CV is a perfectly medical. I've, I've done like lots of different random things, but it's, it's helped me build my character and you will realize how resilient and like hungry you get to, to try new things and yeah, be okay with uncertainty as well. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's one of those things where, and also, like you said, you never know when all the things that you're doing might pop off. Like, uh, you know, whether it's the, I don't know, it's, uh, it's something like you did on the side that you didn't think anything would come of it. But then on your CV, an organization sees it like, wow, oh my gosh, you know, you've been like, for example, in your case, you know, you're helping young people with their personal statements uh, and things like that. That's that's a key key thing that whether it's, you know, someone else who's listening to the podcast or yourself, that organizations would see and be really, you know, resilient. Even, uh, you know, we said it in our, in our last season and it's, it's a key thing that I think people should be doing um, with interviews, asking afterwards to say if you didn't get the interview to be like hey excuse me um you know I just want to know what did I do wrong like what could I have done better is it the experience that needed to improve was was it my presentation Uh, especially I feel like with the the world of online zoom interviews and video calls because I think um you know for a lot of people that's not something that they were used to I know I'd never done a a phone interview, but I know uh, some people have had, but I don't think anyone had really done a video interview, especially young people. So to to be thrown into that and be like, yeah, no, there's no in-person interviews. You have to be able to portray yourself in like still the same manner that you would in person. And I think, like you said, just learning from those lessons, like if you didn't get the job, you know, saying thanks for for the opportunity. What can I learn from that? What what what's the you know the key things that I can do? Uh, and even saying like, oh, like if you can, you know, just let me know uh, if there's any jobs later on. I know there was someone who was on the podcast, uh, Laura, who for season two, and she said her, her current job that she's in, she got because she she messaged the organization when they didn't even have a job, and she was saying like, hey, um, you know, I'm really interested in working with you guys. Could you just let me know if like a job pops up? And they said, yeah, you know, we love love the work. You're doing she has a page on Instagram all about talking about like for graduates and how to you know keep going when we feel like as graduates you know there's no jobs for us uh and yeah she was you know they saw her, her Instagram page they saw her LinkedIn page and said wow this is something that we really we really want to work with you so yeah definitely I, I agree that that's 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 perfect and uh yeah thank you thank you very much for your answer So yeah, so we've uh, I know we've been talking a lot about your your journey, Jess, uh, with medicine. Um, but now I'd like you uh, to cast yourself back uh, to your younger self, uh, you know, and just think about what advice would you give to your younger self, whether that's with you know the application process to university, um, whether that's with you know going to university, anything like that. What's what's some some advice that you would give to yourself? Oh gosh, I would give a lot of advice to myself and I, I I bet if someone asked me when I was 30, what would I tell my 23 year old self? I'd have so much to say as well. But um, first thing I would say is to, uh, I, it's hard to phrase because I think when we're in schools, we're, we're encouraged and pushed to have like very, it seems like, you know, in school, you're learning all these things, you're going to have an open mind, but actually as we get older, we get more and more narrow. And it's like, you know, you get to 17, 18, choose a career. That's it. And I think what I would have said to my younger self is try new things, explore. I mean, luckily I'm doing that now, but you know, just because you're going for medicine doesn't mean you now have to give up English. I love writing essays. It's something that I, I've realized I, I have 
a natural affinity for. So why not, you know, capitalize on that? You can, I can make, I can do medical essays. I can write a book. I can write a story if I wanted to. So you don't have to give up your hobbies in um, pursuit of a career. You know, I do banking now. I can't learn anything to do with medicine. I can't dance. I can't do, you know, please, I would say to myself, continue your hobbies, explore things, stay open-minded and keep trying those things because it's going to help you. It's going to help build you up, not necessarily narrow you to this polished points where you're just like the perfect doctor or the perfect banker. Um, The other piece of advice I would give myself is to learn from those who've gone to where you want to go. So as like I went to, like I mentioned, I went to a state school and I think in terms of connections, I didn't have that many. And I, I think now social media has blurred those lines. I mean, you could be a 16 year old trolling on LinkedIn and literally message a consultant with the click of a button. It's really that simple. You may not get a response. That's okay. Like we said, rejection is redirection. Keep trying again, but you can connect with people who have gone to where you want to go. And I think that is the most valuable thing. Having a mentor, having someone who you like their principles, you like their values, you want to have their career, you want to have their home and their, their, their business, whatever it is, because you could kind of mold your success off theirs and see how they've gone about doing things. And like I said, they will give you advice that they wish they told themselves and you're their younger self, probably. So, um, yeah. And, and one thing they will let you know is all the times they failed because nobody's above failure. So I think it's so important to talk to someone who's where you want to be because you really get this new perspective, like, oh my gosh, they were really at my point once. And they're not even, they're not lying. They're not just saying that to you to make you feel better. They really were at your point once and you can learn a lot from them and it makes your life so much easier you do not need to reinvent the wheel. You know, every job you've applied for, somebody's got it. Every degree you've applied for, somebody's done it. Don't try and struggle on your own. Find someone who's done it. Get the tips, get the tricks, forge a relationship with them. And you'll find yourself navigating into spaces so much easier um, and actually enjoying the process rather than being really stressed out and struggling to constantly get that result. No, that that is that's completely true. Even like like you were saying there about you know like going to to mentors, uh, it's, it's so true because we do sometimes forget that you know someone else has been in our footsteps. You know, um, I think like you said, definitely uh, at the start that the whole thing of you know you being a seventeen year old or an eighteen year old, you don't necessarily have to know your life journey. You know, you don't have to be like, All right, cool, I'm going to do this degree, graduate at this age, go and do a master's or PhD or get a job, you know, by 30, have this, this, this. Um, because yeah, like you said, you know, things happen and life happens. Um, but yeah, I think it's really key. Uh, Cause even like, I know for myself, uh, when I was, when I was 17, um, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do at university. Um, I knew that there were subjects that I liked. Like I loved, I loved acting, but I knew that that wasn't something that I necessarily wanted to go into as a career. Um, but I knew that, you know, science was uh, something that interested me. And it was only because my physics teacher at the time, um, he, he was, so my drama teacher, uh, I guess knew, she was asking everyone like, what do you want to do at uni? And I was just like, I have no idea. And she was close with uh, my physics teacher. She, she said, could you just like speak to him about like what, what he could do? And he was just like, what do you like about physics? And I was like, well, you know, I like, I guess, learning about the environment, about sustainability and things like that. And he said, all right, cool. So these are the courses that you could apply for. And there were like loads of courses. And I said, you know, actually doing uh, like environmental sciences, I said, that's perfect because it's so open. Like I don't have to, you know, 
come out of it and feel like I have to be a mechanic or I have to be a mechanical engineer or electronical engineer. I said, I can literally go into any field that I want. Um, I don't even necessarily have to work in a lab. I can work as a consultant with businesses. So I said, this is really good. And he was literally just like, just apply for it. I applied. Um, and like you said, like the idea of, uh, of rejection from, from our previous question, um, I didn't get into my first choice, which was Queen Mary's, but I got into Brunel and I didn't know much about Brunel. I didn't like, I didn't attend any open days. I didn't know anything about the course. I literally just turned up on the first day and like four years later, it's been like an amazing experience. Um, I've really enjoyed all the friends I made on the course, all my lecturers that were there. They, they were super supportive. They really enjoyed, made the course really enjoyable. Even like the opportunities that we got, um, you know, we got to, this was luckily before COVID. So we, in 2019, we got to go to Tenerife and got to, um, yeah, we got to see dolphins. Uh, we got to see whales and it was like an amazing experience. We got to go to a banana plantation. So we got to do like all these things. And these are things that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily have known or done if I, if I didn't, I guess, allow, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, in life, we just have to just you know, let life take us wherever it goes, but, you know, be open to those opportunities. If I had told my physics teacher, you know what, I don't want to do that. I'm going to, you know, do what my siblings did, or I'm going to do what, um, you know, my parents want me to do, then it wouldn't have worked. And I know that was one of the good things that I really liked about my parents where they were saying like, whatever you want to do, like feel free to apply to do it, but just be, aware of like whatever happens afterwards so, you know if you're going to apply to be I don't know for example like an actor you need to know the the amount of work you're going to have to put mm -hmm. in if you want to apply to be a doctor you know you need to know all the work you're going to have to put yeah. in yeah. um because they're just like you don't want it to be that you know you do your university's degree you're in your second year or your third year or you're finished and you're just like I don't like what I did um mm -hmm. so yeah always be open for the for I guess life to take you wherever it does is definitely key yeah, hundred percent. And I think when you're quite, when you're like I said, school conditions you to always have a plan. And when you're quite ambitious, you've always got the next goal that you're looking towards. What's next? What's next? I can't veer off this course. I have a goal. I have to get there. And it's like no, there's. I think life is going to force you off course. It's going to force you to take the scenic route sometimes, and you're going to take a bit longer to get to certain destinations. Um, no one's journey this journey is the same, and I, I use social media a lot. I, I like to share my story on there, and a lot of people do fall into this trap of comparison as well. Context is key. Life is very, very different for different people. We start at different starting lines and we finish at different ending lines, um, and. There's also this part of me that feels like we never actually do finish. Like there isn't a finish line to get. We always want more. We always, I mean, that's if you're going for materialistic reasons, right? You've got the house, now what? You've got the car, now what? You've got the family, now what? Whereas um, kind of related to what you said, our advice I would give to my younger self in that respect is do things you care about and be, and be prepared to go off course sometimes to kind of see the scenic route, see what's out there. If something's caught your eye, like, try and capitalize on it try and figure out why you like that um and and you use life as a as a journey of self-discovery and not so much i need to do this career because my parents will you know respect me and so will society because i mean if you're not happy and you don't respect yourself it's, it's, it's really really pointless and i think people get to that shocking shift i like 40 and they have that midlife crisis where they want to go to a random country and live there for a year but yeah oh, that's so true and the amount of whether it was like when I was at school or like people that I know who are at school who say like they want to be bankers or they want to you know go into like I've joked about it before like stuff like bitcoin and stuff like literally 
they like while they see oh yeah you know this person's like making so much money or this person's like got so many things or you know this person uh went to my school they've now started their music career it's like i think it's like what you said that we don't remember the things that they go through mm. um and it's 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 always that mindset of oh you see i don't know like I don't know, for example, like an Oscar winner, like you might say Denzel Washington, he's got like so many Oscars, he's, he's an Oscar nominated, he's like a well-known actor. Uh, I want to be like him. But then you also need to bear in mind that there were times when he was he was getting rejected. I know another one uh, that I, I love to always talk about is uh, Viola Davis is, is one mm-hmm. where she, she even says that like she's of the same acting quality of people like uh like Meryl Streep mm-hmm. and, but she's not seen on that level. And she's like, I've got the, I've got the, you know, the 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 credit of accreditation, you know, she's got the Oscars and all the nominations and awards that she's won to show it, but she's still not seen like that. And it's the fact that, you know, I think, like you said, as, as especially young people, um, we have that tendency to feel like, Oh, you know, we want to be this person, but we don't know how they got there. Uh, and it's like, um, like, there's loads of images that show it like ones where, you know, we see the person at the top of the stairs and we're just like, we want to be that person, but we never know like how many steps or like how many times I had to walk back down and then go back up that it worked. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's really key to just remember that, you know, we, we like, like you said, like life takes you on its own journey yeah. and you just have to be prepared for that. And I think one of the key things, like you were saying about like doing things that you care about and you like, um, is it's, you have to like think, and I think that's what, I guess like uh, people have said it and I think that's the same with me that in times of like when when I'm doing my masters or when it's um like my, my like even with the podcast when things get like tough you always have to remember like why you started to do it and if you feel like you know I, I don't feel good about it then maybe you need to think about is this actually what I even want to do mm-hmm. um and I know even like one of the the best stories that um again my dad uh, loves to share is uh, he was talking about how um kfc uh that colonel sanders literally started kfc when he was 60 and he was like there's no need for anyone whether you're a you know 16 year old or you're a 30 year old to feel like oh my gosh like i don't my life's not together i don't have the the house or the the family he was saying that no look like if a guy uh like Colonel Sanders made KFC when he's 60 and it's still around today and it's still making loads of money and it's living long past, you know, his, his, when he died, mm-hmm. that that clearly shows that like you can make it at any point in life. You just have to be ready. Um, and yeah. you just have to be ready for the moment. hundred percent. And I think it goes back to that thing about all the different timelines and all the different contexts. I mean, I cannot compare myself to Jeff Bezos. I mean, I'm a female, I'm black. I come from a totally different socioeconomic background, a totally different country. And I think when people look at images on social media, they think I want that. And they don't know why they want that. You know, I let's be real, we're doing just fine without a Lamborghini roaring outside our, our front doors. You know, and you just got to put that into perspective sometimes. And I guarantee you'll live a lot more of a content and happy life. And you will be rich in that respect because you won't feel like you're constantly needing more. But obviously it's easier said than done. I mean, we live in a in a social media society, so it is really difficult. But I agree with everything, everything you said. Thank you. And uh, I think even uh, lastly on the, the point of like, like millionaires and billionaires, like there's, there's the thing of, you know, even they say it themselves. Like, I think uh, there's like, like Muhammad Ali uh, was saying that like, he told, I guess someone asked him like, oh, should I, like, I really like you. Should I go into boxing? And he was saying like, no, because he was saying like, 
you shouldn't go into boxing because I do boxing. Like, you need to know that, like, this is what happens. Like, this is the wear and tear. Even, like, I know some, uh, like, millionaires or billionaires or businessmen say the same thing. They're like, yeah. don't go into business because you want to be the next Jeff Bezos or you want to be the yeah. next Bill Gates. You know, go into business because you've got an idea that you're passionate about you, or you've yeah. got a product that you want to, to help people with. And they were saying that, like, you just need to change that mindset because even as a business, there'll be times where, you know, you'll, you'll, whether you're selling a product or a service where it won't go, it won't go your way. Like it could be yeah. like, if you're selling like a product, the product doesn't sell good one month or, you know, you lose a, a key partner and then you're thinking like, what am I going to do? But it's always about remembering, you know, what, what, like, like I said before, just why you started, what you want to get out of what you're doing and just keeping, keeping to that and just, you know, keeping that close to you. Yeah, 100%. definitely. Uh, but yeah, we'll now uh, now go on to our to our next question. So uh, for this question, uh, we're going to start off with our newly added segment, uh, mic check. Uh, so I know for all our listeners and uh, for our viewers on YouTube, uh, you're probably not used to mic check because you haven't heard it before. But no worries, uh, I will uh, let you guys know. It's our newly added segment, which is basically where we're we're going to put in an interesting fact or, or an article or a study that's uh, linked to the topic that we're talking about today. So uh, we're, we're going to, we, I know we've talked a lot about medicine, but we're also going to be talking about in this question, uh, representation within uh, the, the medical industry uh, as a whole. Now, uh, before we officially, I guess, ask Jess her question, uh, I just wanted to do our mic check and just say, uh, so like, uh, there'll be two articles posted uh, with this, so don't worry. Uh, if you want to read them, uh, they'll be on the website. But essentially, uh, these two articles are highlighting the idea of a lack of representation, uh, especially when it comes to people from a BAME background or, or people of colour, um, both in the UK and the US. In the US. Now, the first one um, is uh, from the NHS providers, uh, and they they did a recent survey uh, in 2019 to 2020, uh, looking at, I guess, at higher levels within uh, within uh, of boards uh, of directors um, within the healthcare industry, how many came from a BAME background? And in a in a survey of about one thousand and seventy seven uh, directors, only eighty one of them uh, came from a from a BAME background. Uh, and they they said that you know similar steps have shown that there there's been a lot of I guess increase of uh, you know. On the lower levels, so uh, lower levels of uh, of the healthcare industry, but not necessarily when it comes to you know the the senior, more senior levels. They did say that there's been an increase in uh, you know senior managers from a BAME background, but they're still saying that there's a lot to be improved. Uh, and even there was an interesting article uh, on uh, this website called uh, Edumed, uh, and they were did they were talking about a study that was done by researchers from uh, Stanford and uh, the University of California, uh, and they conducted an experiment where they uh, essentially recruited. Uh, 1,300 uh, African-American men from Oakland, and they offered them $25 to complete a general health survey and then offered them a health, free health screening and then an additional $50. Um, but the, the, I guess the, the, the experiment part of it was some of the, these uh, men would be receiving healthcare from black doctors and some would be receiving it from non-black doctors. Uh, now, they said that the interesting thing was they saw that those that saw black doctors were more likely to get, uh, well, 56% more likely to get a flu shot, 47% more likely to agree to a diabetes screening, and 72% more likely to uh, accept a cholesterol screening. Now, they're not saying, you know, that 
non-black doctors don't provide good care. They even say in the study that actually uh, all the doctors, uh, whether they were black or or not, um, received equal scores when it came to the quality of care. But they did show that, you know, having a black doctor or, or a doctor that's, you know, you can relate to, uh, helps you meet, helps the patients uh, feel more comfortable and more secure with the physician uh, and enables them to connect. And uh, obviously uh, in this example, the clear connection was, was a race because obviously, uh, as we've said previously on the episode, and you all probably know in your own lives that having that connection can actually help. So going over, going back to you, Jess, uh, our question for you is, why is representation within the healthcare industry so important? Yeah, um, I mean, everything you said, I was actually just um, re- rethinking, like, thinking about um, something I posted today about uh, Black representation in textbooks. Um, that I'm, I met this medical illustrator from Nigeria and he's been drawing pictures on, uh, drawing pictures or an anatomy on Black skin. And I was thinking, how is this not in the textbook yet? Um, but honestly, it's important to have representation in the medical field because we serve a very diverse population. And in order to serve that population the best way that you can, you need to have a diverse workforce. And I think when it comes to representation in medicine, it's so subtle, but it really shows in the inequalities that you see in Healthcare, so some that you've mentioned already, but even, you know, black women are five times more likely to die during childbirth. Um, The COVID pandemic, you know, why are BAME people so much more likely to die and also be hesitant to get the vaccine, for example? Um, And um, a lot of my research, for example, is around uh, mental health and obviously children and adolescents, but I've also done a lot of work with uh, the with the BIP network. So they're the black and minority ethnics in psychology and psychiatry. And black men, for example, are the most likely to be detained under the mental health acts because they're seen as aggressive and a risk to society. And you think of all these things and you're thinking, where do they originate from? And there isn't one person. It's a one, it's a, it's a general idea of thought um, and it's unconscious bias. And I think when you have representation in medicine, you can be tackling this at every step. So if I hear a colleague who might be white saying, oh, I'm not sure about that black person. They seem like they're on drugs. I I can question them there and there. Why do you think that? I'm black and I would like to know. And it questions, it, it, it forces people to question themselves and their own prejudices, uh, prejudices and discrimination because... I mean, a lot of the time when we have a lot of the same people, homogenous groups, they don't question each other. They have the same beliefs. They have the same ideas. So having diverse, having a diverse workforce will obviously benefit the diverse people that you're trying to treat. But it also forces people to change the way they're acting and, and challenge their thoughts and ideas. Just the same way that, you know, black people might harbour their own thoughts about white people and, and Asian people and vice versa. We all have inner prejudice prejudice that we and and judgment that we exhibit on a day-to-day basis very very subconsciously we need to be challenged on that every day and the only way you're going to do that is by having a real big mixture of people um in a workforce or a setting no that's so true and um even like like you were saying uh you know the idea of within the medical field uh I've, I've spoken about the show before and I'll probably keep doing it until the podcast ends. Uh, but like Blackish, uh, as a show, uh, the, one of the main characters, uh, Rainbow Johnson, is a, is a black doctor in America. Uh, and she talks about like her experiences. So her, most of her workforce 
uh, especially her other doctors within that she works closely with are all white. So she has to, like you said, like things that, you know, she has to check, uh, you know, she, she can't be seen as the, the aggressive black woman in the workplace. Uh, you know, she can't be seen as, you know, taking, uh, you know, not being not being okay with things and and she's you know she talks about herself uh even uh you know they did a their most recent season that's just ended and i think the next season is going to be the last one um they they were talking about how like i guess during the pandemic like how she felt especially as a black woman with healthcare, with all the things that were going on in america the murder of george floyd and other african-americans in america um she was saying like how that made her feel and i think like you said it's that it's that sense of understanding that we as groups tend to like stick to ourselves and we don't necessarily see issues until like big things happen um so i know even like people are saying especially when it around the uh, last year with the the murder of george floyd that you know things about race in america hadn't gone since the last time a black person had been killed or even in the uk you know it, 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 these, these things were common um but because you know nothing big had happened like that we were all just like okay you know when it happens we'll discuss it you know there'll be debates even news uh, like shows will have these discussions with like whether it's activists or politicians or whatever to talk about it but it's like no you know these are these are long long-standing issues and they'll only be dealt with long-standing change so like you were saying that the idea of representation within um within health fields is so so important and so key uh, and i think like you said until we get that better understanding of having you know multi-cultured teams understanding also the multi the, like the different cultures within our workspaces um we won't be able to truly you know address uh, whether it's issues like racism or sexism or ageism um, or the way we treat, uh, you know, people of other other genders or other sexual orientations until we diversify, we won't get there. And it's just being, a, you know, having those conversations. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. I think that having these like having more people in the workshop uh, workplace helps to, to highlight that and having that multicultural workplace is definitely key, um, you know. I spoke about it before that each culture has like certain things that they celebrate or words. I know for, I know, especially uh, like being, I wouldn't even say just Nigerian. I'd say, I'd say, I wouldn't even say African. I'd say a lot of uh, black families, you know, certain words have different things. So I know uh, like my mom has said that she's seen like videos where like a child has like a child uh, who, who's not, who wasn't black, uh, went to their parents was just like, Oh mom, like you're being an idiot or you're being stupid. Uh, and it's like for, for a person of color, I know, like if I ever told my parents that whether I was young or not, like that's 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 incredibly rude. Mm. And it's, it's words like that that we don't necessarily like in English. It might not necessarily mean it, but like in other languages, like calling people that has a, has a serious connotation. And I think, like you said, it's not we're not necessarily saying like, you know, we need to have a complete, you know, you know, like everything needs to change. We're just saying like bring these people in, have these conversations. Um, there was this really interesting story about a, I don't know his name, um, but my brother was telling me about it, about this uh, black man who uh, was going around America speaking to people who were who were members of the KKK. And now if anyone doesn't know, KKK is a, is a racist group in America that, um, you know, have done a lot of, a lot of bad, especially towards people of color, but especially towards uh, black people in America. And he basically was going around talking to, to people from this group and he spoke to like one person and 
he basically, I guess, made this person see like why the organization was bad and the person left. And afterwards they were asking him like, what, what do you think was like beneficial to you? And he said, as a white person, it was just like being able to sit down and talk to him and see things from his point of view. Because I think, like you said, that we, we, and I think um, Macklemore uh, had a song about it and he perfectly, he, he perfectly says it there that we're, we're more concerned with, as a society with being called racist than we are with tackling racism. And it's a thing of, you know, we need to be aware that whether it's, you know, we say, we say words that are offensive or words, you know, that we don't know what it means in the other person's culture um, or whether it's, you know, we're copying another culture's style or wearing a certain clothes and not necessarily understanding the, the meaning behind it. It's just a ha- having these conversations allow us to think, out, you know, think outside our our limited box, essentially, and you know, understand what what other cultures are going through. Mm. Agreed, agreed. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Now uh, we've uh, come to our, our last question that we're asking you uh, today, Jess, and then we'll we'll be handing over to you for our new newly added segment there as well. Um, but our last question for you today is: What can students applying for medicine next year? Um, or any students, I guess, who might possibly be on a gap year, uh, what could they do to start to prepare themselves for that application process? Yeah, so I think when applying for the application, when when preparing for the application process, the first thing I would do is sit down and kind of write down everything you need to do. So um, applying to medical school is a long process. There are hurdles you need to jump through, as I mentioned before. You've got to do personal statement earlier than everyone else. You've got to do the admissions tests and you've got to also uh, understand that you will be invited to interview before you get given an offer. So it's different from a lot of courses and that already means you have to start early. So I think the summer of that year that you want to apply, I would think April, May, June, you should know exactly what's expected of you for the next few months. Um, the first thing I would probably focus on is admissions exams. So the UCAT is one exam. You take that in the summer um, and September, and then you have another exam that takes place in November. Your personal statement obviously needs to be done at the end of October. So again, by writing this all out, you can then schedule what you need to do. But admissions tests need to be your number one priority because these are requirements that have a deadline that needs to be done. And once they're done, then you can apply. I'd sit down with myself and start writing my personal statement sometime in August. And this is brainstorming. Why do you want to do medicine? You need to have that answer cemented. I mean, you need to have some key points as to what what really draws you about this, draws you in about this career and this degree. Um, Is it the lifelong learning? Is it some work experience that you've done? Is it that you love to rise to a challenge and why? How have you shown good teamwork? All of these sorts of things that they're obviously going to ask you at some point you need to be thinking about and you need to um that will help you draft your first personal statement because that will go through a lot of edits um make sure you send that round to people whoever will read it get it out there um and be be willing to take on criticism as harsh or as nice as it is I think the harsher the better so I'm quite harsh but in a good way as in like delete this not needed completely rewritten completely rewritten stuff everything's in red but it'll help you you'll see how much your personal statement changes um and then once you've kind of ticked off admissions tests and personal statement it's technically all about uh interview and before you even get to this stage of application 
work experience you can never have too much work experience and I think try and find work experience where you're really involved you're part of the team you're seeing people you're talking to patients I'm not asking everyone to get a job as a healthcare system but what you can do like even before I was a HCA I worked I was um I did work experience at a hospice it was only five days but a hospice is where people go to die so it was such a totally different it was such a totally different side of medicine because I saw what it was like to be a doctor who couldn't do anything. You know, you had to know your limits. These people are going to die. What do I, what can I as a doctor do? You can control their symptoms. You can make them comfortable and you can be empathetic and compassionate to family and friends. And I think being in those last moments of people's lives taught me so much more than the two weeks I spent in the hospital, you know? So think about where you can get work experience. The, the It doesn't have to be at the hospital like we were mentioning before. Dip your toes in other things. Working at a nursery is, is just as, you know, it will, it will give you skills, believe me, that will make you adaptable and give you communication skills and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, go far and wide with your experience. You can never get too much. And then make sure that you plan out the hurdles that you need, the, the tick boxes that you need to check as you go along the year. But some of that year, I would start. No, thank you. And that's so key because even like you're saying about like planning ahead is that, you know, we've all been probably saying it, that it's crazy to think uh you know, that we're at the end of 2021. Uh, and I, I know like saying, I literally was telling people uh, yesterday that for me, I was thinking there were deadlines that were due in December. And I was thinking, you know, December's not that far. You know, we've got, we've got a few weeks left. And then literally I was like, no, I've got one couple next week and then the week afterwards. And it's like what you said, that we have to be able to like plan out stuff. So we know that like, this is actually you no know, two weeks from today. So what do I need to do? Like, what do, why do I need to be a week from the deadline? Where do I need to be two days from the deadline? On the morning of the deadline, what do I need to be to, to know that I'm happy with it? And I think that's definitely key. Um, but also, like you were saying, that like work experience, I think, like you said, even like generally, not even just for healthcare, um, anyone who's, I guess, looking to apply to university, like, like work, like you said, work experience essentially. There's, there's nothing wrong with whatever you get because like like a lot of people have probably seen uh, there's a lot of transferable skills so whether you're you know like you said working on a hospice working with kids you're learning how to communicate to an audience who is it's not the same experience for both of them you know with children you have to be you know mindful of the words that you're using I know um, with my placement that uh, we were working with both primary school and secondary school children and we were doing workshops with them so I had to be mindful of you know I can just probably tell a secondary school student Here's a here's like the worksheet. Go ahead and do it. But with the primary school, you have to be more careful of like even like within the primary school. So year six might be more confident and just be like, yeah, I can do it myself. I don't need your help. But like year two might actually be like, no, I need a bit of a nudge. Can you tell me like what's the direction that I should go? Or they might ask you a lot more questions. And it's always great to because like with children, it's always funny to see their reactions when you do stuff like that because when you show them like, oh, you know, this is how you're supposed to do it young children it's like their minds are blown you might as well have just like showed them you know like fifty thousand pounds this is you get the exact same reaction so i feel like like you said like having that work experience is just really good and it shows also that you're you're doing more than like the average because you're not just essentially like i guess coasting through university or even coasting through like sixth form or college you're showing that actually i'm going out and i'm doing stuff whether that's working at waitrose i know waitrose love uh, to work with like young people. I know a lot of my friends worked at Waitrose, uh, whether it's working in retail, like you, you're gaining these skills that even 
long after you've left that industry or that job that you'll still be using. You'll be using like the networking skills that you have in retail um, and things like that. So yeah, I definitely think that like both of those, those advice are very key. Even like I said, not just for students looking to do uh, to do healthcare or to do medicine, but anyone who's applying for university or even for a job, if you graduated or you're applying for anything like that, like these are all, all very key. Uh, so yeah, so thank you very much for that, Jess. And uh, yeah, we will now uh, go on to our, our newly added segment, or newly named segment. I know last uh, season we didn't have official name, but as I promised, we do have a name. Uh, so our new question, or our question for us segment is officially called Passing the Mic. And today, uh, Jess is our first, first, I guess, official passing the mic uh, guest. Um, so, what, so uh, as always, uh, you guys know that passing the mic, uh, as it's now called, uh, is about passing the mic over to our, our guest speakers. So, our guest speakers will be interviewing uh, us as a team, um, and they'll be asking us questions, uh, whether that's related to the topic or more general, or just to know a bit more about us. Um, so, yeah, so I'll now officially pass over the mic to Jess uh, so she can ask the question. Sure. Thank you. Um, so my question to you is, um, what made you start a podcast on the topics you've decided upon and how have you ensured that it inspires your target audience? Uh, so, yeah, so as promised, I did say at the start, I would talk about it. Um, and essentially, uh, so this podcast started because uh, I applied literally this time last year uh, to be the BME uh, officer at my university uh, and I didn't get it. But I thought, hey, you know, that's fine. I'll move on. And one of the things that I saw is that a lot of students don't know a lot about things, especially uni students, don't know a lot about the resources available to them at the university. So I know one of the things that uh, was part of my manifesto was I was saying, hey, look, I want to highlight like placement or get relevant placements for, for students. Because I know that sometimes when the university is emailing you about uh, placement options, sometimes it feels like, yeah, this is for like, Gen the general college or like for the general course but this doesn't actually help me as an individual or as me as a course so I wanted to do that and I know a lot of students were just like yeah I actually don't know where to look for placements they were saying I'd, I'd love to do a placement for the summer or for the year but I don't know where to look and yeah one of the things I felt also is that support services whether that was like on campus for mental health um, or whether it was just like jobs or anything like that a lot of students actually didn't know that there's stuff on campus that can help them so uh, whether they want to start up a business there's an entrepreneur I know at Brunel there's an entrepreneur hub that that helps you to start a business whether you want to you know build up your CV there's a, a place on campus that will go through your CV with you and they'll give you advice now I was lucky that my course heavily involved these people throughout my, my my undergraduate but I know that there were a lot of people both through my undergraduate and literally uh, on my master's that didn't know a lot about this stuff whether it was because you know they didn't live on campus or they weren't always at lectures or even just because like their course is so big that their course doesn't have time to like dish out this information um, was one of the things that I saw and I was just like no you know we need to have a have a have a space for this uh, so me and a couple of my friends um, we all just decided that you know it'd be really good to have a podcast that can talk about these topics you know bring on guests uh, like Jess today and just talk about you know things like uh that I guess are personal to us uh, and we were saying like we've all got different experiences and different journeys uh we've all been through the education system and at different points so we were saying that it's really key that even 
as a team that we've got our own stories that might help someone else. So whether that's, um, you know, uh, like my friend Samuel, he's, uh, he specializes in mental health. So he talks about like all the mental health services that he, he was working with at the university that some people didn't know about. Um, my, my other friend, uh, Nanushka, who also helps on the podcast, um, she, uh, specialized in doing like biomed. So she was talking about like how she, like with her, with all the things she's been doing in biomed and learning about medicine and how she changed, I guess, from what she wanted to do. She didn't necessarily want to go into medicine and was a research assistant. So things like that, I think are just the main, main reason. Uh, and to, I guess, ensure that, you know, it inspires our, I guess, target audience um, is we always just, I guess, do topics that we, we feel that is relevant to, to young people uh, or to, to, people in general. So I know, for example, uh, you know, we, we've spoken a lot about like race. Uh, race has been a very important thing that we've spoken about. We've spoken about it through different lenses. So whether that's how does race affect mental health services or how you're treated at mental health services? How does, uh, you know, is there diversity of representation in STEM as a whole, in different fields within STEM, you know, in schools, things like that. So we, we try to do topics that like are very relevant to for, for the people that I guess our target audience, which are whether they're university students or young people, um, that they'll know that these are very key. Uh, like these are key subjects that they should know about because a lot of the time, like even, uh, you know, growing up myself, you know, you didn't see a lot of representation. Um, so you, so essentially we're just using that to just help raise awareness about these, these services that help, uh, you know, help students um, or young people, uh, you know, things that, students might not necessarily know from the get-go it might help them with an informed decision about their university applications like the advice you gave today Jess um but yeah essentially things like that is just what helps us to I guess keep knowing that I guess people are are interested in the the content we're producing awesome and I think the last question I had was how you select your speakers oh like what do you look for in a good speaker um that's a very good question (laughs) (laughs) um I would say that we, we with all our speakers um whether they're people that we've known or people that we've seen their accounts on Instagram um, or LinkedIn or anything like that. All our speakers, we look for people that are inspiring, I guess, the next generation. Um, uh, I like to, I like to think of them uh, as innovators of the future, essentially uh, people who are doing like creative work, whether that's uh, like the work you're doing just through, through talking about, you know, your own personal journey of what going through medicine's like, uh, whether that's with other people that we've had on who are students that are going on placements or been on placements or students who know a lot about environmentalism and environmental sciences and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's all about getting people on who we think that, you know, are inspiring the next generation. And even if they themselves, you know, might not think what they're doing is inspiring a next generation or that, that what they're doing isn't a lot. Um, you know, these are people that are very passionate about uh, the topics that they talk about. And that's the, that's the key thing that we say on the podcast is, you know, we as a team could talk about some of these topics, you know, from things we find on the internet or things we research ourselves. But at the end of the day, you know, some of these topics we we don't know a lot about or we haven't experienced ourselves. Um, you know, I'm not in the healthcare industry, so I know not, not a lot about it. But having guest speakers like yourself on who are passionate about it, when you're, you're talking to someone who's passionate about a subject, they're always going to portray it and like speak about it in a way that's better than someone who's not. I could talk about the environment for days. 
but you know, and like my friend Samuel could talk about mental health for days. But the thing is, I can't do. I, there's only so much I know about mental health from mm. whether that's my personal experience or things that he's told me. But he could talk about it from all the research he's done from his undergrad uh, and his his masters. He can talk about it from the work that he's currently doing. So that's, I guess, the best way to to describe it is that they're all, including yourself, uh, individuals that are doing this like amazing work that we want to highlight and just show um, even as, as simple as like you're, you're all following, you're all doing stuff that you want to do. Uh, you mm. know, you're all following whether it's, uh, you know, someone is uh, is a gamer or is into YouTube or yeah. is content creating. They're all doing like you're all doing things that you're happy with. And I guess we want to show that to people as well, that, you know, you don't need to feel mm. like, you know, your nine to five job or your degree finds you, defines you. You can do yeah. like three, you could like, I don't know, have done mechanical engineering um but your main source of income could be that you started a, a yeah. like, twitch uh, streaming service and you play games on the side and now it's popped off and now you've made money from it so yeah that's essentially how we uh we pick our guest speakers um so yeah hopefully they're, they're if they're listening they're all happy with with what i've said <laughs> thank you no, oh, no, you're welcome. Uh, and yeah, I guess uh, going on to guest speakers, uh, that nicely leads on, as always, uh, to our MC of the Month section. So uh, for any any new listeners uh, or for anyone who may have forgotten, you know, our MC of the Month section is always about individuals, uh, organisations that are doing amazing work uh, related to the topic that we're talking about today uh, for, for that episode. And for today, uh, you know, we were lucky, literally... Last episode of uh, season two to have uh, Ebun uh, from House of Medics. Uh, and, you know, she briefly talked about it there. But House of Medics are our MC of the month for this episode. Now, if anyone who doesn't know or, you know, didn't see that episode, no worries, because I'll be explaining to you. Uh, but I definitely would recommend so you can find out more about them uh, from someone who works with them. Uh, but essentially, House of Medics are a group of professionals uh, who either work in the healthcare industry or are very passionate about healthcare. Uh, you know, they've got a wide range of members. Uh, so those include doctors, midwives, nurses, pharmacists, radiographers, uh, mental health professionals. Uh, the list literally literally goes on. Um, but they were founded, and I think it's really nice, is they said that uh, most of them weren't passionate about traditional uh, professional bodies anymore. And, and they felt that you know, when they discussed it with their colleagues, uh, many didn't feel the same way. Uh, and uh, as I say on their website, that a lot of them uh, a lot of these like professional bodies and societies were originally social constructs that acted as support systems for their members and, and provided a sense of belonging. And they wanted to bring that back to medicine. Um, but they also said that there's a lack or they saw a lack of uh, opportunity for young people of different specialties and disciplines uh, to genuinely interact and like get to know each other. Um, so they said like each Royal College caters to like the small group of people, which of course, you know, is, is good and has advantages. Um, but since they all work together, um, they believe that, uh, you know, House of Medics, but also, I guess, on a side note, any industry really is, is multidisciplinary and we, we work with all these different people. And yeah, they do amazing work. Uh, we, they have an, uh, like a great mentoring uh, program, which uh, pairs aspiring students with those who have already, you know, completed or are very experienced success uh, essentially in their chosen fields uh, and what I really like uh, is that they they as an organization are, are very diverse you know not only I guess job wise but as people and I think that's the the key thing to highlight that like we were saying before about representation uh, brings that understanding eliminates that bias they all come from different fields and different backgrounds um, and they too I guess uh, 
yeah, get to to get to learn and show, uh, you know, this this diverse field of, of medicine. So yeah, those are those are our MC of the month. Uh, feel free; their website uh, will be on our website, uh, but they've also got an Instagram page, which I believe is We Are House of Medics. Uh, but like I said, if you do want to, I guess, listen to uh, you know someone who's been on there before, uh, please do check out the, literally the last episode with Ebun, um, but also as an organization they do a whole host of events so if there is anyone listening who is interested in going into healthcare please do check out their website um at this point of recording they did a winter uh like networking event which went really well um but i know also they do other events during the year and uh they've said uh Eben said uh, when she was on that they're happy to answer like any questions if you send them a dm or an email or anything like that they're happy to you know give you advice or pair you up with a mentor if you're looking for one um but yeah those are those are our mc of the month and uh yeah we've now come to the the end of uh, today's episode uh it's been great to have you on the podcast jess uh, we really enjoyed learning you know more about you more about healthcare. Uh, and I think most importantly, more about, you know, why it's okay to fail and to, to not let failure define us. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honour. No, you're welcome. Uh, now, before you go, uh, I guess some of our listeners uh, might be interested in, uh, you know, some of the services that you mentioned that you do, uh, such as uh, personal statement reading. So I guess uh, where could our, our listeners uh, go to find a bit more about you uh, and to get in contact with you? So um, my main website is progresswithjess.co.uk and that's where I post everything about med school um, and also you can apply to my mentorship scheme which opens every summer which is when you get one-to-one support from me and any other medical student um, peers that I know to help you with your application to med school. So this is basically whether you're in secondary school, a gap year or a graduate hoping to get into med school. Um, if you want to follow my life, uh, jess.olo O-L-O, is my Instagram and jess.0lo is my Twitter. So And LinkedIn, jess.olo. That's perfect. Thank you very much, Jess. And yeah, uh, please do get in contact if you are interested in the medical uh, field because uh, as Jess has clearly shown, you know, she's doing a lot of work and uh, I guess some of our listeners might even be interested in your book, Jess. So uh, if they if they are interested in your book, where should they go for that? Oh, thank you. That's um, progresswithjess.co.uk forward slash shop. And that is if you're interested in relocating abroad to a different country. There's 12 different countries on offer. You can have a browse, have a look. And I also have an Instagram live series with doctors from around the world who have left the UK to go abroad or have or who have left other countries to go abroad um, and how they're finding it, basically, and, and similarities and differences with the UK. Well, thank you very much for that. And uh, like I said at the start, it's like uh, Jess is doing everything. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, you're not missing out if you do check out, uh, you know, her website and, and connect with her. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much, Jess. Uh, thank you very much to our listeners. Uh, like I always say, if uh, you like this episode, uh, like and subscribe is always appreciated. Uh, click the notification bell so you don't miss the next episode. And if you uh, are interested in becoming a Patreon member, uh, click the link in our bio so you can keep, uh, keep get early access and uh, more, more prizes uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much, Jess, again. Thank you very much, listeners. We hope you're doing well. And yeah, keep an eye out for the next episode of Pick Up The Mic.